This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, and I'm really pleased to be joined by my fellow co-authors of the book, Customer Experience Three, as we do a follow-up session to a previous podcast with this group of authors as we talk about customer experience, as we look to wrap up the remainder of 2021 and where we're headed in 2022. So I'm really pleased to be joined by Francesca, Sandra, and Serena today for our podcast. And welcome to our co-authors. And Francesca, if you wouldn't mind starting us off with uh, introducing yourself to our listeners, that would be great. Of course. Yes, of course. Hello, everyone. Hello, Bob. Um, my name is Francesca. I am um, a sales manager uh, in, a, in a hotel uh, nearby Paris, so I'm Italian, but I live in France. Um, I have been dealing with customer experience uh, for a long time, um, being an ex-cast member of Disneyland Paris. Then I translated my knowledge of Disney's customer experience into my, into my previous job experience in um, uh, Italian uh, small companies, and now I'm dealing with uh, again with tourism. Um, always trying to adapt and dis- and um, talk about what we can do to spread the magic, even though we don't work in uh, in Disney or in any magic environment. Great, thanks, Francesca. Sandra, would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Hi, um, I'm Sandra Thompson. Thank you, Bob, for having me back. That's uh, that's a joy. Um, I wear a few different hats. I teach. I teach customer experience and uh, also a bit of emotional intelligence to 18 and 19 year olds. Uh, that always causes a little bit of a ripple effect of, oh my gosh, I can't believe you do that, to, oh God, what do they think? Uh, I also teach people management and leadership um, to undergrads too. I am a consultant in the customer experience space, but I look at um, not only customer, but employee experience, but through the lens of emotional intelligence and empathy. Uh, And I'm also an emotional intelligence coach. What I'm noticing is quite a few stories, quite a few stories from both customers and also organizations around the role that empathy has played, particularly in the last couple of years. So it'll be fascinating to see how the next year will turn out. So uh, thank you very much for having me back. Wonderful. Thank you, Sandra. And Serena. Hi, Bob. And uh, thanks uh, Thanks also for having me back as well. This is this is exciting to, to chat with you guys on, on a topic that I hold near and dear to my 
to my heart and to the to the style and culture of what I try and cultivate in our own uh, companies and uh, teams. Um, I've been in customer service, support, experience, all of the above, some of uh, other teams, but always coming back to that service and servant leadership style um, for about 20 years now. So um, a few different industries, a few different teams, as I mentioned, and what I love the most is just helping others to succeed, uh, which, which gives me great joy as well. So happy to be here to, to chat about leadership and, and the role CX can play in, in making sure that we develop those, those skills to create better environments for our employees and our customers. Excellent. And what I love about this podcast is the global nature and perspective of the guests we have on today. So it's really wonderful to have that mix of perspectives and, and observations. And so let's, let's start there. Um, we, we thought 2020 was gonna be challenging and it was 2021. We thought we might see some light at the end of the, to- at the, end of the tunnel, but perhaps not so much uh, as we faced ongoing pandemic issues and supply chain crises across the globe. Uh, I'd just like to get a sense as we begin our session today of where do you think we're at right now in the whole area of experience management and um, how does the year look to wrap up? And perhaps uh, Sandra will start with you and then go around the, around the table, so to speak, with thoughts and observations. I think... Um... It's a very interesting time to observe both as a consultant and also as a consumer uh, myself. It feels like people are scrabbling around to get the basics right. Now, I know that Francesca will speak to this um, in more detail because of the background she has and the work that she's doing right now, but certainly in service, in hospitality, in retail, The experience is very mixed because we're affected by the fact that people have moved on to different roles, that people are joining organizations, perhaps without all of the skills that they might need. And there seems to be no time to do sufficient training. So I think we're gonna see a bit of a backlash of that in the first quarter of next year, where experience hasn't been what businesses have wanted it to be because they're purely trying to get enough stuff out there, things going with a kind of skeleton staff. The other thing that I expect to see is this continuation of unacceptance, the fact that customers are not settling now. You know, there's this really fascinating time where businesses have proved that they can be agile. They've proved that they can be flexible and they've made changes in the last couple of years. So really consumers, I reckon, are going to be thinking, well, you know, if you can shift gear that quick when the chips are down, what's next? So it's possible that there will be a cohort of consumers who just won't accept enough. They will expect more. They will expect businesses to go the extra mile because they've proven they can do it. So I think there's a blend there of having the right people in place in order to deliver the experience that people are expecting. There's the point about the experience itself and what that is. And of course, which we'll talk about shortly, where is the leader in this? 
and how much more accountable might they be from a school of people who actually expect leaders to step up, to be bold, to be courageous. Now, what I can't work out is whether that's a prediction or just a wish. <laughs> Very good point, Sandra. Serena or Francesca, I'll, uh, I'll open it up to you as well and your observations and perspectives. Uh, yes, um, I can go. <laughs> and um, uh, I joined Sandra in um, this act of getting the basics. It is true that what we are observing and we will observe uh, in, in, a, in the near future will be um, understanding what uh, we can um, keep of this transition period um, when we talk about experience and what we, we need to add um, when we are trying to go back to what we have before COVID, but we are actually moving into the next era. So we need to come up with, a, with new solutions according to the new needs that are on the table. And um, from the, uh, the topic that it's dear to me, which is the employee experience, what we need to focus will be the employee experience because uh, we are looking at the uh, what has been called like the great resignation or the big quit. This big, huge movement of people leaving their jobs and, and moving on and going somewhere else. Uh, sometimes, as Sandra said, without having the right uh, training or the complete training. So what, what is going to be needed will be um, to train them on the spot, uh, uh, in, on the field, and this will require a huge amount of work by the, the leaders um, because uh, we will have, we have already less people available uh, or at least less um, trained people available. Um, new um, requirements by, by, from our clients, new needs. Uh, we need to find a way to fulfill those needs. Uh, in the same time, we need to train these new people and find them first of all, because the first uh, difficulty that we have is training. Um, we need to attract as companies, whatever we do, we need to attract uh, the first clients that we have, which are our own employees. Um, now they are, I can I imagine them like um, a group of people wandering around, looking at the same offers for from, uh, from from different facilities and trying to pick the best. So uh, whenever we say that our customers are, uh, our first customer, our um, uh, employees, well, right now, this is so true. And it is so important to uh, be able to um, uh, let us as companies be uh, different and uh, um, offer them the best in order for them, for them uh, require the best out of them. So true. Serena, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I'm going to piggyback on exactly what Sandra and Francesca said. I think Sandra's comment was um, that uh, customers are no longer willing to settle. And I think that's very true and the same uh, from the employee standpoint now too. Um, the last couple of years have certainly flipped our lifestyles upside down and people need more flexibility now. They need more um, they need employers to match more of what their own values and beliefs are, as well as what their needs are from a, from a personal standpoint, not just from a professional career and development side. Um, and I think that the employee experience is becoming much more apparent as to uh, what we're offering, what we're, how we're serving our, our employees and how we're 
responding to their feedback, just like we do with our customers. Um, I have never seen so many now hiring uh, signs in Windows as I have in the past uh, six to eight, nine months, probably a year. Um, and it's interesting to me to see all of the different benefits that companies are trying to come up with to, to entice employees to come to their um, establishment versus another one. As Francesca said, the, the options are, are very much there. It's, a, it's an employer's market or employee's market, if you will. Um, it, the pick is kind of yours. And I think that, that that means that we need to better recognize what our staff and our culture is creating and the, the needs of the people that we're serving. From a leadership standpoint, I think what that means is that no longer can we just promote people into leadership roles because that's you know the next rung on that ladder. Um, we need to really be more intentional and thoughtful about who we're, who we're giving that leadership title to because it's not just about management. It's not just about making sure the job gets done. Now it's about making sure that the people are first and foremost uh, being served well and able to perform the job that they need as well as you know have the, the, the personal flexibility and, and needs served there as well. So I think that's for me, it, it always comes back to the people, whether it's uh, from the employer or the customer side. But I think right now what we're seeing is that we have to be able to put more emphasis on you know, the employees that we have, the employees that we're attracting and making sure that they're happy so that we can continue to serve our customers well. Thank you to the three of you for those observations and thought there's so much to unpack here and uh, certainly one of the things I should have mentioned that's that's uh, a crisis is uh, labor and the availability or lack of availability of labor. Each of you in your discussions uh, about the state of experience management in 2021 talked about leadership, talked about people, empathy, uh, consumers that were unsubtle. That, that's a great, great comment, uh, Sandra, I believe you made about that we're unsettled, that's so true. What is it that we need to focus on in terms of leadership? And that's so important um, to the success of any uh, great experience for both employees and for uh, customers. So what are the elements that leaders need to be aware of that the qualities of leaders to be successful in this time of crisis, but also a time of, of delivering great experiences. Uh, Serena, should we start with you? Sure. Um, I think one of the, the biggest things uh, for me as a leader, I, I connect much more to the purpose rather than the profit. Um, I, you know, I'm a firm believer that if you put um, the purpose before the profit, the profit will come. And making sure that people are aligned to the mission and the, the quote unquote why behind what it is that they're doing and making sure that they understand the impact and the value that they bring to an organization. Um, and also recognizing them both within your team and publicly throughout the, the rest of the organization too. I think that um, everybody wants to feel needed. Everybody wants to feel like they're contributing. And I really truly believe that, that aligning that, that purpose with the people and what their 
they're they're doing for you, what they're offering, what the value that they're bringing is key to making sure that, that you're pushing forward on your own goals and priorities, but as well from a leadership and caring and, and compassionate side of things as well. Sandra? I'm, I'm going to challenge that a little bit, actually, uh, if that's okay, Serena. I want to add. I want to add something to it. And I only came across this in a discussion I had probably about six months ago, where I was speaking to an organisation and they were describing their people, and they were talking about those who absolutely are interested in the purpose of the organization. They really want to get fired up. And then there are others who just want to do a good day's work and they just want to go surfing or they just want to go and spend the weekend away. And they're not ignited by the passion or the purpose, but they're very happy and they do a really good job. So I, I guess my challenge really is how well do you honestly know your own people? You know, we get very busy, don't we, in doing our segmentations and writing our pen portraits and all these wonderful devices to help us understand our customers. But honestly, do we know what drives the people that exist within our organization? Because I can bet you that if we understood what really motivated people and we tuned into that, they would stay. So I think as a leader, your responsibility is to take an interest and to be properly engaged and genuinely interested in the people in your organization. Stop for a bit, whether you're remote or whether you're in office, stop and have a conversation. You know, I remember one of the best leaders I was ever led by, who actually was three rungs up from me. And she was the head of the organization. And I remember her stopping me once on my way to get a coffee and asking me how someone was doing in my family, because she had remembered six months before that I described something to her. I worked 150% for her, because she was interested in me. Uh, powerful. Yeah, that's, a, that's a fair point, Sandra. And I guess to that point also, when I say purpose, it doesn't necessarily mean just the mission of the organization that you're working for, but for, but for the people themselves that are on your team. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree that you have, to, you have to have that genuine care for the group that you're serving in order to build that trust and to build um, the, the relationships that are going to continue to serve both parties well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you must forgive me for being slightly provocative, but I do like to be a little bit edgy. I know it, you do, and I appreciate it. <laughs> we have noticed that about you, Sandra, at all. So. <laughs> Seek forgiveness, not permission, <laughs> right. is, my, is my motto there, Bob. <laughs> I love that. I've used that many times in my career. Francesca, your thoughts about this whole leadership and people topic that we're discussing? Well, so, um, the words of Sandra actually remind me something, and 
that happened recently, I noticed that um, in a, it is very uh, difficult now to have um, a contact with people, uh, with new entries or, we, or people that are already there um, in the um, free time, like lunch break or a coffee break, because everyone is so concentrated over the phones. So um, as a leader, what I uh, think it's my duty is to be an example. And even though I would like to disconnect for uh, uh, 15 minutes and 20 minutes of my break and just be by myself, um, when I have people around, I, I realize more than ever that it's my duty to be there and show uh, that uh, even an exchange of a nice words uh, over weather or whatever, um, it's a way to uh, try to have a conversation and a contact and um, uh, start, uh, I can't say friendship because we're still talking about work, but at least a human uh, relation that goes beyond the uh, mails and, and, and phone calls you can have with work. So I, especially if uh, we consider that we are mixing generations and we have this new generation approaching uh, work, um, which uh, were basically born with a phone in their hands and um, they, they, they see it as an appendix uh, or of the body. Um, it is um, the, the free time that we can have at lunch. That might be a, a possibility, um, an opening for an exchange that then goes beyond um, communication, but it goes into uh, cooperation and getting to know each other in that environment um, is something that uh, I, I really appreciate and I, I, noticed, I noticed that I missed it uh, when, uh, when everyone is just on their own and no one is talking and then we go back talking only when the, the, the clock uh, tells us it's time to go back. Um, it's, uh, it's something that we might uh, want to uh, combat if we want to be extreme, but at least um, we really need to educate uh, people around us um, to, to this, but even to something else, I believe. Um, we, we, it is true that we need to pay attention more on what the employees uh, need to be fulfilled, to be happy. Uh, we need as well to be able to show them what they have already. Because sometimes I um, notice that um, people give things for granted and um, they realize what they had only where they live and where they go somewhere else. Uh, they notice that they, they're not gonna have uh, this or that any longer. And this is a pity. <laughs> so um, I think one of the uh, 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 challenges that we have now is to train ourselves and train others around us to be attentive or on the moment. So be attentive to people around you, be attentive to what you have and value that and uh, um, keep it in advance because uh, this is as well uh, something that you can use when you want to attract new people. So we, uh, all this conversation goes around the same, uh, this, the same things basically. And um, uh, these are the two keys uh, that I see. Excellent. And listeners, as a reminder, you're tuned in to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast with fellow authors of the Customer Experience 3 book, Francesca, Sandra, and Serena. So let's talk for a minute about 
what I think most of our listeners have heard about in this concept of the great resignation where people during the pandemic kind of revisited the values that they have and what's important to them and an unwillingness to perhaps pursue the grind that they had before this. Uh, what are you hearing about this? And in your different regions of the world, are you seeing this impact or is it a lot of hype and not much reality? Um, and let's start with perhaps uh, Serena. Sure. So I think, you know, for me personally, because I, I, I went through a period during this time too, where I just felt like I was continuing to give and wasn't really getting much back that fed my soul and fed my passion uh, to want to continue pushing. I felt that burnout that I know so many in healthcare and childcare and uh, you know, schools and in and, and different areas like that are feeling now. Um, and it's, I don't mean to say that I can even begin to compare my uh, burnout to what they have been dealing with uh, throughout this entire time. But it's, it's one of those things where I feel, I feel like I have to be responsible for setting more boundaries and expectations more clearly. Um, and I'm trying my best to make sure that my team does the same thing and that we're putting in the work that we need to put in to complete the things, to do it well, but that we're not killing ourselves to do it anymore. Um, I think that grind that, that just stereotypically the U.S. is known for, um, for me, I've kind of resigned from that idea that I have to, to constantly be going to prove value. Um, and have really come back to the, the quality versus the quantity side of things and making sure that, you know, it doesn't have to be an eight hour day every day. It might be a 10 hour day one day and a six hour day the next, whatever it is, the quality of the work should speak for the value that I'm bringing um, and not the other way around. Uh, and I think that that's one of those, those areas that we're, you know, a lot of us are still working remote. Even uh, myself, our offices opened back up and we have the option to go in, I still choose to work remotely because I feel like that just fits my lifestyle better now. And the, the two hour round trip commute on a daily basis, um, while that was certainly helpful in some aspects, you know, being able to disconnect from, from your uh, family obligations for a little bit, get in your own head, be able to do some professional development via audiobooks in the car or what have you, um, I still find it, it's more helpful for me to be able to work around my time schedule, be available to, to go run and get my kids and whatever it may be during the day. So, and I, I know I'm not the only one that has um, chosen to do something more along those lines too. The team members um, that I support are very much the same where we have kind of broken schedules now, if you will because we're putting some of our family obligations in the middle of the day where we didn't necessarily feel um, like we could do that before. So I think uh, putting clear boundaries and expectations of, I will give you the best work and I will still perform at you know, that 100% mark, if not higher, but it's gonna be on, on my terms and my, on my schedule now. Um, obviously there are certain jobs in, in areas where you have to still stick to a, a more rigorous schedule to be able to support the customers that you have as well, but um, 
I think those boundaries have been able to give me back some of the sanity and some of the, uh, remove some of the anxiety that I would have once had. And I, I think that that's true for a lot of folks that I've talked to about what's changed for them in this, this, uh, this area too. Excellent comments. Sandra or Francesca, your thoughts? Well, 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 I can connect with uh, and relate to what Serene is, is saying, quality over quantity. Um, what we are trying to do uh, in, the, in, in the hotel where I'm working is um, thinking into consideration of flexibility. And it is true that in some um, works, in some programs, you cannot really um, change uh, your, your working habits and you need to be there and you cannot modify your, your times. But um, we are trying to give um, people a, a sort of cross-training uh, in, in, in from other departments so that we can come and help when needed. And But we're talking about completely different departments um, so that if uh, someone needs uh, help uh, because of family needs, because of whatever, you do have a reservoir of people that can come and uh, and, and help out and, and trying to keep the uh, work running, uh, adjusting um, to the needs of, of everyone. Uh, of course, this requires as well um, um, understanding that we are many, <laughs> not everyone works in a company of two or three people, but when you're talking about 70 or, or, or 100, um, even giving uh, flexibility and um, uh, possibility to adjust uh, requires training because um, you need to take into consideration who is staying there um, all the time. However, uh, this is something um, that we're adding and we, we see that uh, everyone responds well. Um, you give responsibility and people receive responsibility, accept it and, and are, are happy to have it, to handle it and understand that it's for the, this, the, they're good for the sake of everyone. And, uh, and this makes um, the team happy. And when the team is happy, we, everyone tries to, to keep it that way. Um, that, that this is something um, important today. Uh, as we say, uh, customers are uh, always uh, needing attention, employees are needing attention, and we should uh, be able to, uh, to do something for that. Great comments, Francesca, thank you. Sandra? So it's, it's fascinating because actually only a couple of weeks ago, um, one of the broadsheets, one of the kind of quality papers in the UK um, published some research on this very topic. Uh, and what they found from some research that was undertaken by a recruitment company is that almost one in four UK workers are planning a job change, one in four. And, and this is um, the fact that there are a number of vacancies, obviously, that have come about through our decision to leave uh, to leave Europe. There's obviously a number of vacancies that have come up through growth in particular uh, particular industries. There's issues, of course, with people choosing to leave because of burnout, because they have felt that they weren't looked after. Again, when the chips were down and they were working exceptionally hard, their companies were pretty much ignoring them or not giving them any recognition for the fact that they were balancing teaching their kids looking after 
sit, you know, people who may have been unwell in their family, as well as, you know, trying to balance everything. So they've just about had enough. So what, what this research is saying is that 69% of these people are feeling confident about moving to a new role. Now, I thought that was interesting because if you have the blend of economic uncertainty, you would think that people might decide to stay put. But in actual fact, a number of them are deciding to demand more money to have the change in the conditions of their work. And companies are in some cases willing to give pay rises because they recognize that this talent will disappear because the emphasis has changed from the organization in some cases to the employee. And they've got to, they kind of switch the power around. Some organizations are responding well to this shifting in power and others just have not got the ability to understand the changes that people have gone through in these last two years where they've had to adapt really fast. So I think that as far as the great resignation, it's definitely happening in the UK. We've got more vacancies now than I think we ever have had in a very, very long time. And I think it's good, you know, it's good that organizations are getting a bit of a shake up and a wake up call. Um, there's a phenomenal book called Alive at Work by a guy called Daniel Cable, who talks about work needing to stimulate you and to at least meet your expectations. So coming back to the point we were making um, with Serena earlier, you know, whatever that means to the individual has changed. The fact that you can perhaps go for a cycle ride or do a quick workout and then get your work done and then pop out and do something else, you know, you're now far more in control of your time. That means that we are being more productive. Why on earth would we go back to an organization that is telling us we have got to go back to the office We've got to work between, I don't know, eight and six or nine to five and you'll have an hour lunch break. And by the way, we're just going to keep an eye on you while you're physically in the building. No one wants those constraints again. Well, I speak on behalf of everyone. This is a massive generalization. Some people obviously missed the company of others and they felt that they could do better work in the company of others in, a, in an office environment. But I think it's fascinating times because Again, in the same way as I described earlier, organizations have proved that they can be agile, they can be flexible, they can change. So why on earth will you put those constraints back on me when I've proven that I can work under my conditions at the best time for me? You know, I work very early in the morning. I'm pretty rubbish at this time of the day, usually. And so why would I want to go back to the constraints that the organization feels they need to put on me in order to kind of keep some kind of control? I've never seen anything like it. It's absolutely fascinating time to be at work. So, so true, Sandra. And, and um, your, your comments about, you know, an economic instability, you would think everybody would want to stay put. It, it really is uh, counterintuitive to what we're seeing today. So I can't believe how fast our time goes when we're all talking about these uh, very applicable and interesting subjects. But before we go, I, I, I wanna ask one final question and that is after, after this discussion, it kind of all circles back to leadership. 
again, even though we've talked about it, we've talked about the, the, the current situation with experience management, but what advice as we look to wrap up 2021 and 2022, do you have for leaders in general and CX leaders specifically about um, you know, the way forward? What is some words of wisdom that you could share with them to encourage them to look forward to 2022 and all the opportunity that a new year presents to us? Uh, Francesca, should we start with you? Okay. Well, um, tricky question. Uh, what advice? We, we already talked about the um, um, uh, most of the uh, what I consider would be uh, advisable to uh, um, uh, to keep in mind for, uh, for for next year. It's um, agility, flexibility, change. The leader of tomorrow. Um, has to um, keep an eye on what the, the customer says, on what the employee wants, and um, and has to jungle <laughs> between the two and trying to uh, satisfy them all. Uh, what we can see is uh, it is today it is easy to communicate uh, and to have an eye on what's going on in other fields and uh, and what are the best practices which are working uh, somewhere else. So we need to be inventive and um, just um, have an eye on what's going on uh, and, and what we can adapt and adopt uh, in our own um, companies. Uh, it is um, common to uh, to talk with competitors, to talk with um, people in our same fields uh, over fairs. And now the fairs are no longer are, are, are coming back. Uh, that might be uh, an opportunity to exchange again um, and uh, try to come up with a solution that worked for us uh, and we might um, adapt um, from other fields as well. I like that comment about adapt and adopt. I love that, Francesca. Uh, among your many words of wisdom, those were two that stood out to me. Um, Sandra, your thoughts. I'm going to put my academic hat on for a little bit, so apologies in advance. Um, I think that the most interesting and most effective leadership I have ever seen is when the leader considers the follower. Much is talked about about the leader themselves, what they are like, what they do, what personality they need, what kind of attributes they need. But the most effective leadership is when you have that relationship between the people who are being led and the leader. And so um, there's this model by some people called Hertzi and Blanchard, and it's called the situational leadership model. And what a surprise, it basically says, you need to adapt, back on Francesca's point, you need to adapt according to the task, the situation, the environment, and here's the really big thing, the willingness, the capability, the maturity and the competence of your followers. You cannot be broad brush one thing. And 
addition to that, you need to have the conversation with your teams to say, Do you know, I'm going to use a variety of techniques here so they don't get a bit shocked when one day you're like this and the next minute you're like that. They'll be like, hello, who is this guy? Who is this lady? Um, but you do need to adopt and adapt according to what is of best service to the organisation and the people within it. Um, and I suppose I'm bad to say this, you know, Goldman's six leadership styles still rocks. Um, again, check out a really brilliant Harvard Business Review article on different leadership um, styles where he talks about basically having a set of clubs and you pull out different golfing clubs according to the situation um, you know there are really fantastic things out there to read where you can assess what you're like in comparison to these models um, and try it out you know I really think if you can be cognizant of the follower and what their needs are then I think you're definitely going to be rocking it love those words of wisdom Sarita bring us uh, to a close here with your final words of wisdom Oh man, that's there's no pressure in that. <laughs> no pressure whatsoever. Um, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think for me, there's I, I echo both what Francesca and Sandra said. I think there's a couple of other things that I would say role model. Um, I think Francesca mentioned some of this earlier. Whether or not you're in a leadership role, you can always be role modeling the behavior, the culture, the the way you want to be treated the things that you need. You have to be courageous enough to speak up for what those things are sometimes in both a leadership and non-leadership role. But I think we can always role model what it is that we're looking for and what it is that uh, what it is that serves us best. And then to, to kind of piggyback off of what Sandra was just saying, I think that leaders are in support roles themselves. Like they, they have um, accountability to the organization to do well. But I think even more so, leaders work for the, their team members. Um, they need to make sure that their team members are taken care of so that they can do the best work possible, bring the most value, which in turn brings the value to the entire organization. So I really, whenever I talk about you know, being a, a leader of a team, it's, it's not so much me being that leader, it's me supporting those around me. Um, and I think that's really key to, to a lot of the different points that we've made today is just you know, connecting with those that are your followers, as Sandra said, and making sure that their needs are met just as much as yours. Listeners, normally you have the benefit of one guest sharing their words of wisdom. During today's podcast, we've had three professionals sharing their words of wisdom from a global perspective about experience management, about leadership, about the state of experience management and the future in 2022. And I thank our guests, Francesca Tempestini, Sandra Thompson, and Serena Riley for joining me, co-authors of the book, Customer Experience 3, on this great way to wrap up 2021 and look forward to 2022. Listeners, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your networks. And as always, stay tuned for another interesting episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast in the near future. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at innovativecx.com 
for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.